everybody, thanks for checking out the bonus content with Brooks Engel, firefighter. Um, we talk about 9-11 and first responders in general, and he's got some pretty intense stories. We talk about racism, and we talk about the media. Um, it's a lot of extra information, so check it out. 9-11. Now, when you're a firefighter and something like that happens... Do you immediately think, I've got to get there? Do you just, I mean, how did that experience affect you? Because I know it still affects many firefighters. I know that y'all lost a lot of brothers and sisters that day, and, you know. So, yeah. Um, hmm. Where do you even start with that one? Yeah, you got to go. Like, I was, I slept in that day. Um, I don't know if I worked the day before, but regardless, I went over to another fireman's house and I went into his living room just as the second plane hit and, um, you know, you're half asleep. You don't even know what the hell is going on, you, you know, and he got in his truck right after that and took off, but he didn't really tell anybody. He just kind of did it. And then, and this, this story is all took over. Took off for New York? Yeah. Oh, this wow. story plays out everywhere. This is just my I understand. little town. Sure. Yeah. Um, You're in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then another group went and then I was I was supposed to go in the group after, but by that time it was later. They started kind of cordoning off everything a little bit more securely and they said, you know, nobody else is really allowed. So I never went. I wasn't there. Uh, he was there uh, and then another group of guys I know, they went. My one of my best friends, uh, Tim Brown. He was a New York City fireman for you know, over 20, just over twenty years. But and I can't tell his story like he can. But what I will say is, he at the time he worked before the nine eleven. He worked on Rescue Three, which is one of the elite rescue companies in the world. You know, New York has all of them. Then he went to work for Mayor Giuliani and uh, was in charge of um, uh, setting up command posts in case of disaster strikes. So he was, um, and I'm not sure which tower was hit first, he was in the other tower eating breakfast. Yeah. So the plane hits the first tower and there's like, what is going on? So, and I'm going to cliff note a lot of this. And I don't feel really exactly right telling it, but I'm gonna what I take from it, I'm gonna tell. Runs out, changes his clothes, comes back in. Uh, they realized a plane hit, so he goes in the lobby to start doing his job, go to work. And his firemen are coming in. All these guys are coming in, starting to filter in there. And um, he saw one of his best friends. He, I think he lost, I think the number was 97 of his friends. So sad. So, and this story always stuck with me, even in a moment the rest of my life. And I've heard him tell it a couple times. Um, There's a fireman in New York, his name was Terry Hatton. And he got married to a woman named Beth. She was Mary Giuliani's secretary. Um, so, and this guy was a captain. 
But this guy was a badass. Terry Hatton was a badass New York City fireman. He was tough. He was a tenacious leader. Just good. And he was the captain of Rescue One. And he was six foot six, I think, roughly. And uh, so he stood out, obviously, in the crowd. And they get in the lobby, and there's a, just a sea of firefighters. And Tim sees Terry, and Terry sees Tim. And Terry makes his way to Tim. And, you know, he had all this gear on. He had this big tool in his hand. And he just gives Tim this just, they just, great big bear hug, right? Just wraps his arms around him. And, and he said, I, I don't think I'm going to see you again, brother. I love you. And then uh, they kissed each other, and up he goes. And that was it. And when the building fell, and again, there's stories like that that play out sure. everywhere. And, you know, and then there's all those guys, all 343 of them are just absolute fucking heroes. Like, I can't even begin to describe it. I'm just telling you a story that I know that I've been told, that deserves to be told. But, um, so the building started to fall, and Tim said it was the most deafening thing. The wind and the sound alone was the just, can't describe it. And so, like, in those big buildings, any big building, you see those big concrete pillars in the lobbies, like the support pillars. So he grabbed onto it, and he grabbed onto it and just hugged it as hard as he could. And the wind was so blowing so hard, it completely picked him up off the ground perpendicular to the... What what causes that? Just from the, the pancaking of the building, oh, the collapse of the gosh. building created so much wind. Yeah. You know, well, and it, it was just so, had so much force and pressure behind with it. with all of his equipment off the ground. He had lifted him, and he was completely... Whoa perpendicular to the support column and he said he was holding on for dear life thinking about his brother thinking about his his brother's a fireman in Providence thinking about his brother thinking about his family thinking about everything he's just I'm going to die this is it and all that stopped and um, he was alive and he's an amazing amazing guy I love him and I love you, Tim, if you listen to this, but... Did he have any repercussions from the health stuff that so many... Well, had? as far as the health stuff goes, I know, and I can speak from the guy that I work with, like, if you were at uh, Ground Zero, you have, every year you have a Ground Zero physical. No matter where you are in the country, if you were there, you get this physical. And they do a lot of extra screening and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Um... He's done, he advocates, um, I, I don't really want to get into all that, but he he's very influential on um, being the voice for these people that die. Thank God. I mean, he should be. I mean, as we all should be. That's the thing. I mean, we all should be, in that, especially in that scenario. I think there's some point in, in time that happens... As we go about our daily lives and like, you know, tragedy strikes in other countries or, you know, or tsunamis or bombs go off or buildings fall in our own country or whatever. And we have this thing where for a moment 
we're a human being and that's all that matters and another human being is hurting and then give it a day or a week or two weeks or three weeks and we forget and we go about our daily lives and we forget to thank you know the firemen when they're in the grocery store we forget to say something to our mom and dad like hey you know what it's hard to be a parent thanks for doing a good job or whatever it is or like say to an old person hey you've really seen a lot and you're probably lonely because a lot of old people are really freaking lonely Mm -hmm. it's it's like we're so yeah be the voice of the voiceless because 9-11 was x amount of years ago now and people talk about it here and there in conspiracy or in you know, and I'm not against conspiracy theorists. I think a lot of times they're right, you know? It's always a conspiracy until it's proven right. But um, just in, in general, I think things happen. Oklahoma City, you know? That was a horrible thing. People don't really talk about it very He much. was there. He was at Oklahoma City. And Tim was at the first World Trade Center bombing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, a lot of people don't even think point, of that. People don't think about yeah, that. Yeah, it was bombed before. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just, I remember right after 9-11, and this is off the firefighter point, but I just remember after 9-11, I flew in October, after 9-11, October, I think it was like 9th or 10th or something, whatever, and I was nervous, like everyone was nervous, but it was, for me, I think fear compounds upon itself, and it's very dangerous. Fear is one of the most dangerous things there is, and... There was a man on the plane. I, I was sitting toward the front because I get a little airsick sometimes if I sit toward the back. So I try and sit toward the front. And uh, as I was waiting for the plane to, to board, there was a man, a Sikh. You know, they have the, the turban. So there was a Sikh that was also waiting to board the plane. And most people don't know how to delineate between different religions. They just see a color or an outfit and they just make assumptions. And this poor man... I can't even tell you the amount of hatred that was being... This man, who was just a dude taking a flight, had nothing to do with 9-11, was not a terrorist, you know? It was just a guy with a with a turban taking a flight. And uh, I just remember feeling so horrible for him, you know? That I was scared. He was probably terrified. And we got on the plane, and he was sitting just sort of catty-corner to me. And uh, I had to get up to go to the bathroom, and I, I just I put my hand on... It, make, it, it makes me actually choke up a little bit. I, I put my hand on his shoulder, and I looked at him as I walked by, and just just tried to say I love you mm. without saying anything. You know what I mean? And went to the bathroom, and so we forget how to be human beings in this stuff. Some very horrible people do some very horrible things in the world. Thank you for all you do to protect us. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Yeah. Anyway. Boy, strange times. Definitely. Being a human being. Definitely. You know, I was telling someone the other day, I said, I couldn't even imagine being a police officer anymore. Couldn't do it. It's tough, tough times for that. Those guys are heroes. You know, I agree. Guys. And a couple bad apples do not an orchard make. And it's unfortunate because it's not like the news. The news loves fear. So it's not like the news is propagating stories about wonderful police officers doing wonderful things. You know, all it talks about is the couple really crappy, likely racist, horrible officers doing really horrible, awful things. Sure. 
You know? And it's true. Racism is alive and well in America. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And my friends who are black, you know, I worry for them. I'm a white girl, you know? So I'm a girl. You're pretty white, too. I'm pretty dark skin, whatever. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I got some color. (laughs) Anyway, the point being is, is like... You know, even as a as a white person who loves my black friends, the fact that I even have to say they're black friends sucks. You know, they're my friends. They're not like I don't. We're living a very trying time, and maybe that's what needs to happen every thirty years to get rid of the old yucky stuff and bring in the. I'm so eloquent, aren't I? The old yucky stuff mm. and bring in the the lovely, wonderful stuff, or maybe. Humans just won't ever get it because we're a young race. The human race is young and not very together. Not very bright, really. Sure. Yeah. Our egos get in our way. Power gets in the way. Greed gets in the way. It's a shame. It is. It really is. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And I pray for them. I hope. Um, but I don't go to church like I should. But church is in your heart, my friend. Yeah, but I I pray for them, and um, you know, even though the cops and the firemen give each other a lot of, you know, give give each other a hard time. Sure, they're Rivalry. still our brothers of and course. sisters, and um, I couldn't Look, imagine. I couldn't stop imagine. watching the news, is what I say. Because, yeah, because it it perpetuates this fear and this anger and this hatred. I I've been reading some some great stories. Um, online that are uh, a guy was like look I'm a black guy I walked into a convenience store it was a white cop and a white uh, person behind the counter and I went in there to get my sundries whatever it was and walking around and and I walk up to the front and he said and and he was really uncomfortable as understandably so and as he's walking up to the counter the policeman says how you doing you know, and I affect my voice when I say that to, to make more of the story. But and the guy's like, um, "I'm okay. How are you doing?" He's like, "No, how are you really doing?" And the black guy said that the white officer hugged him mm-hmm. and said, "I'm so sorry that this is all going on." You know, and that's awesome. That is a human moment, mm-hmm. and it sucks that that kind of humanity seems to show itself in these really super trying times and then people forget. Right. Why do we forget? What happens? Why do we... Is it that we're just so self-absorbed or we just get too busy or whatever? Why do we forget that the homeless guy is me? You know? Sure. The guy blowing up a building is me. The, you know, the person rescuing the person is me. I think life just goes on and people just live life, you know, and they just don't don't remember they just kind of put it back you know and I and I I watched a great Facebook video the other day Um, the Dallas police were lined up men women black white you know green purple didn't matter (laughs) and there was a huge line of civilians lined up same thing people of all races and they just the line went down they hugged all the policemen It was amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is, you know, and it was just a great time. It was a great thing to see as an American, you know. Mm-hmm. That as a human. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's like, why delineate that it's just as a human, it's a great thing. Sure. 
know? Yeah, true. Yeah, but I, I just hope that it is scary. You know, you want to get the, uh, you want to get the assholes off the earth. You know. And, <laughs> yeah. And hmm, definitely trying times for sure. These are good people. You know, these you have body cameras and all this stuff. I just, you just. Policing's not, from what my friends have said, policing's just not what it used to be. What does and that mean? It, and they're not talking about beating up people and going out looking for a fight. You know, they're talking about protecting human beings. And they get in their car every day and they're like, God, like, if I get into a situation, am I going to think about protecting the civilians and myself first or am I going to think about the next YouTube video or the next Facebook post that goes out and they're like I don't even know what to do anymore you know I mean people watch these short videos and think they're um, professionals and they think they got all the answers and they you know they don't know the whole story yeah well I don't know I've watched a couple of those videos and I just the whole concept that people are innocent until they're proven guilty, you know, still needs to ring true. If your life is in jeopardy, if somebody is physically holding a gun to you, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Right. But some of these are, it's not like that. It's not, they don't go down like that. And innocent people are being murdered. And I think it is a race thing. I think people see a black person in a situation like, oh my God. I mean, there is this sort of subtle racism that happens just in general, if a let's say a woman is walking down the street by herself, a white woman, let's just make it a perfect scenario. White woman's walking by herself down the street, and a black man, let's like a teenage black kid or something, is walking toward her. He's got a hoodie. Let's just paint the whole prejudicial picture. She's gonna hold her purse a little tighter, sure. even if she's not aware that she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Subtle racism. So that's. That still permeates the land. And then, obviously, overt racism definitely permeates the land. And not just against blacks, but against Latinas and Latinos. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and it's weird. Like, I talk about this all the time because I, I find it fascinating that uh, sexism, racism, xenophobia, all that stuff is so casual in conversation. And people don't even realize that they're perpetuating these stereotypes you know, like, Jew him down, or, oh, you know, Mexicans are great for doing housework, or, you know, like, any of that crap. It's, when, when the whole, the whole concept of a terrorist was just basically, they're Muslim, Muslims are terrorists, and the news does this, and I cringe when something horrible happens, I just, I pray so hard, I'm like, please don't let them be Muslim, please, because my friends who are Muslim, who are awesome, and lovely people, are terrified. They're scared they're going to get beat up or their businesses are going to get broken into or that or you know not nobody will go to their businesses or all that. this is a real problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just it makes me crazy. Yeah. It makes me so crazy. And then it's like we're like I'm a white girl that's going crazy over the fact that, you know, people of color for lack of a better word are uh dealing with this but it's my problem too sure you know and it, that subtlety that permeates I remember um, so my father is Jewish my mother's Episcopalian so I was raised 
in an environment, they're both uh, intellectuals. They're like, I think we've had this conversation. They're like, you pick who you are. We're not going to tell you who you are. And they were right. great. They taught me about all the different religions, all the different mythologies, you know, all this kind of stuff. They took me to church. They took me to temple, they, whatever I wanted, which is wonderful. And um, that being said, I was, in, I was in my younger years, uh, I was invited to be in a wedding and the wedding was a destination wedding. And we were walking with, you know, the, the young ones were walking with the parents. And a couple of parents were trying to barter with the locals. We were in Mexico, trying to barter with the locals. And one of the parents said, oh, just chew them down, just chew them down. And I'm standing there thinking, do you even know what that says or what that means? That, that casual, flippant thing that seems like no big deal in a society where people don't know better, it is a big deal. I sure. remember when I was little, my parents wouldn't let me watch um, All in the Family. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because Carol, Con- Carol Connor's character was so racist and so overtly a jerk, you know. And they didn't think that I would understand the irony, which mm. is true. A, a small child wouldn't understand right. the irony. And so I wasn't allowed to watch it until I was older and could understand the concept that he was actually poking fun at those kind of people. Um, anyway, I just I think you have to be careful because yeah. that stuff seeps in. I mean, I think everybody is pretty much smart enough to say, have there been people, black, white, Asian, whatever, that have been shot, that shouldn't have been shot in the history of the world? Of course, right? We could, Yeah, I mean, we know that. But like, if... It doesn't matter who you are, any race, if you don't, if the cop tells you, and you may be innocent, but if the cop tells you to put your hands up or gives you a command, like if you don't do it, don't expect to get like a junior achievement award for good behavior. But I think the people that don't necessarily, I think it depends on who you are and what you look like. Because if you say, why am I being pulled over? depending on my race or my gender or whatever, I've been solicited for sex by police officers who have pulled me over. I have. That's not saying that all police officers are sexual predators, but some are. Just, here's the thing. This is what I think. I I think people are drawn to a profession where they can be who they are, right? Like, you want to help people. You grew up around fire people, firemen, firewomen. You you grew up going, I want to help people. I want to serve. So that's what you are, right? But look at the pedophiles who get into careers where they're in places they can be around little children. They're churches or soccer coaches or whatever. Or certain policemen who have a problem with aggression and are bullies, so maybe they're like, what's a great job for a person like that? You'll be drawn to a place where you have authority over another. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that happens. And so, again, you can't, you can't call a couple bad apples the whole orchard. You sure. can't. That's, I mean, I just made that up. It's dumb. Very, I've yeah. used it twice, but whatever. It's just, you know, it's, it sucks. There are bad people in the world, and there are great people in the world, and there's a lot of middle ground. Mm-hmm. People who are a little bad, a little good depending on the day, you know. But in the case of that that man that was shot, the police officer, he said, I have a gun. You know, I'm licensed to carry. He said, put your hands... He said, give me your ID, put your hands in the air. He's like, okay, my hands are in the air, but I have to give you my ID. 
then it gets real complicated real fast. And if you are the person saying, I have a, a you know, my dad's license to carry, right? So sure. if he gets pulled over and he's like, I have a gun in the car, I'm licensed to carry, things get weird real fast, but he's like an old Jewish dude. Like, is he going to get the same treatment as like a 24-year-old black dude? I doubt it. No matter what, whether, because that's the thing with racism is it's subtle. You may never think you're racist, but not you, the royal you. Sure. A person may not even think of themselves as racist in any way, shape, or form, and yet subtle racism is just everywhere. How do you, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my point was with that. But no, you're good. <laughs> I seem very passionate it's, about it, it's, <laughs> but it no, it's, it's went complex. nowhere. I mean, it's not, it's not, it is complex. It's, it's not static. It's dynamic. It's, it, everything changes, you know, and it depends on so many variables, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, and I'm not talking about the, the instances like specifically, but just sure. this guy should have done this and this guy should have done that. Well, I wasn't there. Right. Like, I don't... Some people in our professions, we have to make split-second decisions sometimes. Totally. And sometimes people will live or die by those decisions. So, and that's just not... That's just with everything. Yeah. You know? So, for me to say, I I just don't... You know, I don't want to give... I've been seeing my friends get just beat alive I'm last sure. week. Absolutely. Which is not right. Co- they're good cops. Good cops. I they're have good like people. A, yeah. And that's and not right. It shouldn't be that way. I'm so happy they're sticking up for themselves. And they're trying to explain these people like, we are trained this way. Yeah. If this happens, we are trained this way. But, but you don't understand. Because yeah. you're not trained that way. You don't think like a cop. A cop thinks in a completely different sure. way than a fireman thinks. Sure. You know, that's why we kind of... And a civilian, the way a civilian thinks. Like, if I were, for example, using that thing that just happened, if I were that police officer, if it were me, I have no training in police, I can't speak to it, I have no idea. But if somebody said, I'm carrying a weapon right now, I'd be like, get out of the car. And I would train my gun on them and say, get out of the car, put your hands up, get out of the car, and then whatever happens next. Do those cops ride solo all the time? I don't know. I don't know any of those. But you're going to get out of the car, put your hands up, and... You know, even if you haven't done anything, you're going to do what they say and you'll sort the rest of the bullshit out later. I agree. I agree. You will you sort it out later. Absolutely, okay. you should do what they say. I totally agree with you. Unless they're asking you to give them a Hummer. I don't want to right. do that. Right. I mean, like... I, mean, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, not without dinner. I, mean, <laughs> I have some standards. Like, at least take me to Ruth Chris first. I mean... For goodness sake. <laughs> That's steaks, awful. Steaks a little bit of a heavy meal. I like, you know... I don't want to double up on the protein. <laughs> Got to keep my figure, you know. <laughs> anyway, it's a great conversation, yeah, I think. It is. And nobody nobody has the answers, unfortunately, but it's a great conversation. And I think people are scared to even have the conversation. And that hurts the world. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the conversation, if you're not being out loud about it, then we all suffer as a human as a human race. We suffer, you know. I think that's why comedians nowadays that's that's all they talk about is just to get it out there. Sure. Because we don't if we don't point at the elephant in the room, the elephant's gonna stomp all over and sure. break the china, you know. So I just hope, honestly, that we as Americans and even as humanity, but I mean, also as Americans, we come together and we take care of one another. 
and a friend of mine had a post and he was like, today I'm going to show someone of another race or another whatever that I care about them. And that's one example. I'm that's like, that's perfect. Hey, one is a lot. Yeah. You know, multiply that over a million times. That's, you're getting somewhere, right? Over 300 million times. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You know, yeah. Do it twice. Yeah. You know, you're better than you were five minutes ago. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's... Here's... Let's cheers. We've been drinking wine during this whole thing. Don't judge us. But here is to humanity. Yes. May she survive us all. Yes, for sure. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for this little extra chat. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if we really got anywhere. People probably think we're crazy, but... I love crazy. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All awesome. Right. Yay. Let's go eat.